And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we're back for another episode of the Startup Hustle. This is your host today, Matt Watson. Excited to be joined with Dr. Benjamin Ritter today. And he is from the company Live Yourself Consulting, or Live for Yourself Consulting, sorry. And we're going to be talking today all about loving your career, loving what you do, which I'm excited to talk about. I love what I do, although sometimes I still tr- still think I'm trying to figure out what, what I, I want to do when I get old, like, like a lot of people. So i um, excited to talk about that today. Today's episode of Startup Hustle is powered by Fullscale.io. Hiring software developers is difficult. Fullscale can help you build a software team quickly and affordably and has the platform to help you manage that team. Visit Fullscale.io to learn more. Dr. Benjamin Ritter, welcome to the show. Hello, hello. And I love what you said about, I'm still trying to figure out what I want to be when I grow up because you should be, you know, it's, it's called the career for a reason. A career is a culmination of jobs and experiences. So you can always choose to do something else tomorrow if your heart desires it, right? Or even just your curiosity does. Well, we should also mention you were on the show before, um, about a year and a half ago or no, two and a half years ago. Two and a half years ago, there's an episode called Self-Leadership. Uh, it was actually an extremely popular episode of uh, the Startup Hustle podcast. So if anybody wants to go back and listen to that, you should check that out. So why don't you remind us, Ben, again, of what you do, what your company does? Yeah, so I split my time in between creating organizations that people can fall in love with. So that's all the processes and programs that relate to that. So talking about engagement, orientation, onboarding, leadership training, all that jazz. And then one-on-one coaching with leaders for them to help create a career that they can fall in love with. So kind of trying to hit the the uh, the wick on both ends here. So make some movements, hopefully empower others to craft their career to be one that they can fall in love with. And hopefully that also nudges organizations to be places that people can fall in love with as well. Well, I'm going to guess that starts with the top, right? You're, you're usually helping a, a CEO or some other leader and they figure out that they need some help. And then ultimately you also potentially go in and help the company the company at a larger scale. Is that kind of the, the, what happens? Yeah. If you can work with the executive team. And so I try to, I tend to work with COOs, uh, CEOs, CPOs, and then a lot of the like SVPs and senior directors they, if you can help them develop as leaders and to understand what it truly means to feel like you have control over your career, where you're proactive instead of reactive, to be able to craft your job to be best aligned with who you are, then they can do that for their teams. And then they can do that for their teams and they can do it for their teams. And so you kind of have this waterfall trickle down effect, which can really have a strong impact within an organization, ultimately curating a culture that relates to caring about your people and ensuring that you know, it's not just about hitting certain numbers. It's about making sure that people are enjoying the path towards those numbers. And there's so much research has shown that if you can get people engaged and satisfied at work, I mean, productivity increases, absenteeism decreases, 
uh, turnover decreases. And so it's easier to hit those numbers and those goals that you have as well, if you can create an organization like this. And ultimately, like, I just want people to be happy and to feel hope. You know, it's so often I work with, with leaders and they come to me just pretty much in disbelief that they can actually feel that their work is meaningful. And that creates a lack of confidence in yourself. Because if you wake up every single day dreading going to work, you're not going to feel good about yourself either because you're going to feel that you're a failure. You're not doing what you need to do. And so ultimately, like that's not how people should be living. We should enjoy every single day as it's a gift. And um, that motivates me. Like when I wake up each and every single day, you saw, you know, you, you had that note in the beginning. You know, I kind of wonder what I'm going to do tomorrow. If I ever wonder that, I go, how can I, how can I live this value a little bit more today? Well, so they gave me a statistic here. It says that uh, by a 2022 report states that the U.S. specifically, 50% of workers report feeling stressed at their jobs on a daily basis, 41% as being worried, 22% sad, and 18% angry. That's tough. Yeah, that is yeah, that's tough. tough to hear. That's tough. That's tough to hear. Have you have you ever felt that way? Um, you know, I have been more in a leadership position, you know, and an owner of a company for the last twenty years. But along the way, of course, there's been periods where there was a lot of uncertainty, or I wasn't sure about the right way to lead the company, or lead the team, or what to do, or how to solve a problem, or you know, stress from different personal things or whatever. Like, I feel like we all go through ups and downs, right? It, it's all a roller coaster. Yeah, if we take a look and kind of turn the lens into our personal lives instead, because I, I think we know how to make things work for us, especially if you're an entrepreneur, like you probably are a high achiever. You know how to solve a problem. And for some reason, when it comes to our jobs, we forget that. So we're not happy at work. We go, oh, this is just a product of our environment. This is a given. But that's not the case whatsoever. So these individuals that are stressed and frustrated and scared, most of the time, the issue with this isn't the fact that you feel that because feelings are normal. It's the fact that you give in to that feeling and say, oh, this is just what work is like. And that, that surrender to an emotion, it doesn't happen almost in any other area of our life. Well, so what do you what do you recommend to people then that feel like that the culture, the work culture that they're part of kind of hampers that, right? They go to they go to work and they're like, well, we know we can fix all these things, but I can't get anybody to do them. Nobody listens. Nobody wants to change anything. Everybody's setting their ways, right? Like my boss is a jerk, like whatever the things are, that's usually what people run into, right? The first thing that we need to do or you need to do if you're listening is to let go of the belief that this is something that you can't change or let go of the belief that this isn't something that you want to spend time on. It's too much work or that it won't work for you. You've probably had this uh, people come in. They're like, I want help. I want to work with you. And then they create these excuses of, well, this wouldn't work for me or I don't have time for this. And if we allow those excuses to dictate our actions, then we've create, we curate our own environment. So the, what you really first need to do is say that it's possible for me to happy at work. It's possible for me to change things. Once you do that, now we have something to work with. And, and that mindset is crucial. I know some people may be rolling their eyes a little bit at this advice, but if your belief is already negative, if your belief right. thinks that this is impossible, it's not going to work. And so then after that, then we can say, because I've experienced this too, by the way, I worked in healthcare for six years. And most of that time, I'd say about four years of that, 
was me believing, me accepting that this was what work was, that it was supposed to be draining, that it was dreadful, that my leadership was terrible, and I was the victim of that. When I woke up finally, and this is what I want everyone to do next, that's when things started to change. That's when I be able to, when I started being able to craft my job. So what you need to do is figure out, okay, so what's draining me? What are the things that are actually causing me to be dissatisfied? And so very often we feel something such as anger or fear or frustration, and we allow that emotion to be undefined. So list off these things. Is it a specific person? Is it your leader? Is it a piece? Is it a work project that you're a part of? Is it a time of day that you're working? Is it location that you're working in? Because when you have the things that bother you, then we can start saying, okay, so what am I going to do next? What am I going to do about this? You want to do the same thing about the things that you love. What projects do you love working on? What people do you love working with? What time of day do you love working? Anything and everything about the actual work that you do, because that's the first pillar of job satisfaction, to then start being able to make some adjustments, to stop, to continue, to delegate, to to increase, to decrease. And so this is basically a work audit. And that's the first step. It's what drains you, what energizes you, and now what can you do about it? And if we have the belief that we can't do anything about it, of course, we're going to get stuck here, which is why we did that first step. So I'll pause because we can dive in more into how to actually do this work audit, how to go to your leader, ask for these adjustments, how to actually craft some of your projects at work. But it is the first step. Well, so related to this, several years ago, I don't remember exactly when, but I think it was on Facebook. I was scrolling through and I saw somebody posted a, a picture and it was like a roadside sign where you, you know, make the letters on the thing. And it said, you're in charge of your own happiness. And that really stuck with me. And, you know, another year or two went by and I was having some issues in my personal life. And I always kept thinking about that. I always kept in my head. I'm like, you know what? I'm in charge of my own happiness. If I'm not happy, I got to do something about it. And I finally did. I it was some personal things I had to deal with. And you know, I got to a point where I was so frustrated with everything that I was like, you know what, I have to, if I just keep doing the same thing every day, nothing's going to change, right? Like, I'm not going to get a different result. And so I had to make had to make some changes. And have, can you can you relate to that? Have you heard that story before? <laughs> Way too often. That's why people tend to come work work with me. It's I've gotten to a breaking point. Yeah. And something needs to change. Usually the solution at this point is someone needs to people quit without any sort of backup plan. I hope to work with individuals prior to them quitting because we tend to burn our bridges. We tend to lose career capital. We tend to be a little hasty. We do things that don't serve us because of our emotions instead of actual, right. you know, to being intentional towards our goals. Like for example, if a project is really draining you, let's, let's see, take something as simple as email. I get so much email. I can't get to it every single day. I stay up till midnight replying to them to clear my inbox. I go, great, don't reply to your email for a day. See what happens. Nothing will happen. It'll still be there when you get back. Uh -huh. And <laughs> the projects and things that you're working on, most of the time, people might have to adjust to your lack of response time, but usually things aren't that critical. Or I really dislike uh, you know, working on this report, this report. I don't even know if anybody reads it. Okay, don't send it out once. See if anybody replies. And if you're too nervous about that, go talk to your boss and say, do you use this report? Or go, go to the stakeholders. What do you use this report for? Is there a different cadence timeline that you can get this report on? Is there someone else that can do this report? Or you may find out that one person only needs it. Great, train that one person to pull it for themselves. 
It's taking control of the things that drain us. Oh, someone really bothers you? Well, have you tried conflict mediation and, and direct feedback? Or, okay, so you engage with them, you sit right next to them, can you change where you sit? It's like these little tiny adjustments that can be game-changing to provide us more energy for our jobs, which may lead us then to go find to going to find another job. But it's a lot easier to find another job when you're in a positive headspace and have yeah. and have more energy. Right. Because so most of the time me- I work with a client, I work with a client, they come and then they're supposed to work on building their network and having relation, you know, having conversations with other people and getting curious about them so they can access the hidden job market to get to their next opportunity. But they come home and they're done with work. And they might be done with work at 5 p.m. They have a whole evening to, to do some of this stuff, but they're so mentally drained from, from the, the stress and their negative beliefs around their work that they can't do that. They can't do it. So tell me more about the work audit. Yeah. So, I mean, really simple. I'll, I'll make it easier for people, right? The number one thing that drains you down, the number one thing that drains you about your work, get specific. What is it? I was working with a client the other day and it was that they didn't like that decisions were being made without data. I was like, greatly surprised. I was like, oh, that's an interesting thing that drains you. It's haven't heard that one before. I go, okay, how can you be more data oriented with the decisions that are made at work? He's like, well, I guess I could ask for it or pull it myself. Is there anyone preventing from that? No. He's like, wow, this feels really good. And it, it's like... <laughs> Just write one, the one thing that drains you the most about your, your job. Is it, oh, I don't get recognized or I don't get feedback from my leader? Well, that's a big one. Have you ever asked for recognition or direct feedback? Have you ever finished a presentation and gone directly to your boss and say, hey, can you tell me about if, you know, what were the top three things that you understood from that presentation? Have you asked for specific feedback? Try that down. Write that down. The number one thing that stresses you out. And then next, write the number one thing that, that makes you happy, that energizes you. When you identify that, do that one more time per week. It's these little adjustments from our work that can add a lot more energy and even just a little bit more satisfaction can be enough for us to stay at our stay at our job and to be happy at work and to take advantage of the opportunities that it presents us. Now, if we're looking, diving in a little bit further, resources tend to be a pretty big deal when it comes to the actual work and career development tend to be a pretty big factor as well. So we have what we like, what we dislike, career development. So how am I going to grow? So are, are, how can you start learning something on a weekly or quarterly basis at your job? And all you have to do is identify what this is and bring it to your boss or go to a, you know your boss's boss or a peer. And they tend to will involve you because they always want people to be engaged and to develop in their jobs. If that's not the case with your culture, we'll talk about how to get another job. And then the other piece in terms of resources is, you know, some people that I worked with just go, oh, it's really frustrating because I need to wait for the printer at work. It's terrible. It delays <laughs> the ability to work on projects. I go, okay, have you ever, and I, I'm, I, some people might be rolling their eyes, but it's this, it's this lack of empowerment and accountability that drains us. Okay. Have you asked your boss or IT for an extra printer? right? What can you do about that? Do you need to print the materials? Can you save it as PDFs and share it a different way? So again, problem, solution. We tend to do it so often in our personal life, we forget to do it in our our professional life. People just get used to doing things the same way and they're, they're draining, but they don't, they don't take the action to change them. Well, I have to do it this way because if I don't, I'm in trouble. 
people are going to think poorly of me or I'm going to lose my job. Two beliefs that are radically untrue most of the time. People are too busy thinking about themselves, so they're not worried about you most of the time. Your boss tends to concern that the work gets done, that they have different goals than you do. And then when it comes to you losing your job, well, let's go get a side hustle and not have to worry about it so much. But also it tends to be, we, if we act in a place of fear at work, we're not going to be ourselves and we're going to probably curate an environment that we end up losing our job anyways. So it's better to show up and be energized and engaged. You're more likely to create change and innovation and, and do your work in a way that people appreciate. Right. Well, I'm, I want to talk more about your new masterclass, but before we do that, I do want to remind everybody that finding expert software developers doesn't have to be difficult, especially when you visit fullskill.io, where you can build a software team quickly and affordably. Use the Fullskill platform to define your technical needs and then see what developers are available to join your team today. Visit fullskill.io to learn more. So before we started recording today, um, you were telling me about a new masterclass that you just released. Tell us more about that. So coaching programs are a pretty large financial investment, and they are also a, a pretty large time investment. So weekly coaching, worksheets and exercises are 24-7 back and forth, so they're pretty high touch. And they, for this masterclass specifically, it would go for about six to eight weeks. What I wanted to do was provide individuals that didn't have the financial means, as well as were more self-motivated learners, to be able to do this type of program on their own. So the masterclass itself covers uh, how to create career clarity for yourself. So we go through, you know, what would you like? like uh, we do some retirement visioning. We do some fast-forward visioning. We do uh, some career pathing in terms of taking a look at the multiple branches and paths that could lead you towards those specific careers that you're interested in. We go over job crafting, which is what we just discussed, to so ensure that you're energized to be able to find that next job or be able to be happy at work. Because we just talked about one area, which is the work audit. There's still the social relationships and meaning pieces of job crafting. Then I provide a variety of templates and guidance on how to find a job from resumes to your LinkedIn profile, to networking, to cover letters, to actual interviewing and getting that job. And there's some bonus modules as well. Okay. So uh, where can people find that masterclass? Yeah, if you go to liveforyourselfconsulting.com, you'll find a link to the masterclass at the top of the site. You can also connect with me on LinkedIn, by the way, Dr. Benjamin Ritter. I'm happy to have a conversation with anybody and I'll share the link with you directly too. And if you let me know that you heard me on this show, I'll give you a special promo code. So let's talk more about creating a career that you love. You know, earlier we were talking about dealing with various work issues and, and you know, trying to fix some, you know, problems that people have. But tell, tell me more about creating a, a long-term career that, that you love and, and how to do that. And one of the greatest mistakes I see individuals make is they don't take action because they're not sure what action to take. They get stuck with, in this place of, I don't really know what would be a fulfilling career. So I'm just going to do what I'm currently doing. Career clarity doesn't tend to come from some epiphany that you've had without experiences or action or from doing the same thing. Career clarity 
yes, can come from reflection and should come from exploring what you've experienced because our experiences tend to create our passions and our purpose and our, and what's meaningful to us. So it tends to be where we, what, what, what roads we tend to travel on, but career clarity comes from conversations, from mini projects, from action. And so the first step, if people are confused and they feel stuck and they're not sure what to do would be to explore what you have experienced in your career, those most fulfilling moments, because some people forget that they have been fulfilled before and the things that interest them the most. And then you put on your sailor's hat, you jump in your ship and you start, you start going on an expedition trying to find that treasure. And the only way to do that though, is to go on an adventure and go, go explore some of these ideas that you have. So do you feel like most people really struggle to ever do that? Like they always just have a thousand, a thousand excuses not to, right? It's like, I'm too busy in my personal life, or I'm not sure if that's going to work, or I don't have the right education, or I don't have this. Or, they, they just fill their head full of reasons of why they can't do it, right? Yeah, I think people are really close. A lot of times I work with a client that just is so disheveled and so anxious and so stressed about their career, not knowing what they need to do. And we just spend a little bit of time exploring the beliefs that are holding them back. So this is your career trauma. So what are the moments in your career that have left a negative mark on you, that have scorched you, that have branded you? Understanding that those experiences are not reality and that they are one individual experience that you've had, so they shouldn't be beliefs. And maybe they, maybe we explore them and find that some of them is a little bit true, but most of the time they're just holding you back. So we let go of those. And then we start exploring the highs and lows of their career. We are able to then identify what they're interested in personally, not what other people are doing, what they're interested in. And everyone has some things that they're interested in from the media that they've consumed, from their parents, from their friends. And then you start exploring those interests. Now, after you get some semblance of an idea of the things you want to explore, we also can explore your personal values. And that's kind of like your interests, but a little bit further, further down. It's at the core of your attitudes and beliefs. And these can be pulled out from where you've been happiest, where you've been most dissatisfied, what those themes are, and then how you would define yourself personally. Because then when you start exploring these different areas of interest for your career, which can be something as simple as I've always wanted to work in the psychedelic space, or I've been really interested in Nike as an organization. But if you understand your values, those values can orient you towards an area where you would feel more aligned. And so instead of maybe working in um, on a certain product of Nike, you're working in the employee satisfaction department because your values are about health and growth and learning. Well, so how do you define success for somebody in their career? I'm curious, curious how you would define that. Success in a career, well, it's not a certain level of achievement. Unless I'd say that is a specific goal that you set for yourself. And then we'd have to really make sure that it was a positive goal because there are going to be anti-goals where the outcome of that goal isn't within your control. And so it's actually not something that you should define your level of success by. Uh, personally, if someone is working towards their values. So that's their why, the meaning behind what they do. So for me personally, I have health, I have growth, I have impact, I have openness, 
the how I do it can change. So that means I can be an executive at an organization. I could be a business owner. I could be a consultant. And though, you know, those outcomes are goals that I set for myself. And if I achieve them, great. But if I get to do the work that I love that matters to me, then I'd say that is personal success. I have some clients that would disagree. That's okay, because we work towards their goals with them. They have some financial goals, they have some title goals, they have a certain team size goals, which is great, which is fine. It keeps them motivated and keeps them working towards something specific. But ultimately, if ever those values get out of whack, they're not going to feel successful. So I'd say there's there's some aspect of career success that is, I just want to hit this tangible thing. But then there's a greater aspect of it, which is, are you able to wake up every single day and feel proud and fulfilled by what you're working on and uh, why you're working on something instead of how you're working on it? Well, so for those that are working towards these goals and, and, you know, a bigger team, a certain job title, whatever, how do you, how do you coach them about how to measure progress towards those goals? So we have to look at what's in your, what's in control, what you're in control of. Like for example, working with a client right now who is trying to increase his deal flow because he wants to acquire a business. The, you know, his initial goal was acquire a business, quit my job. Now, those are tangible things that he can do, but ultimately we want to track his success by his progress. So is he certified? Does he have a, uh, like a buyer profile? Has he reached out to brokers? Those are things that he can do that we can measure success by. So for example, if someone wants a bigger team or they want a promotion, we don't measure your success by the promotion. We measure your success by, have you built relationships with the executive team? Have you studied how to manage a larger team? Have you had conversations with individuals from other organizations that are managing larger teams? Have you talked to your leader about wanting to manage a larger team and gotten that onto your performance development plan? So that's how we measure success. So one one thing that I, during the pandemic, um, during COVID, I decided to start playing chess. I got into chess and um, I actually got one of those posters and it's in my office. It says, keep calm and play chess. And it's like my daily reminder that maybe when things aren't going my way or, you know, I'm trying to accomplish something that sometimes I have to slow down and think about kind of like playing chess, right? It's like, it may take a few moves. I may need to be on the offense. I may need to be in the defense. I may need to change my position. Like, you know, you just got to keep playing the game, right? And and that feels like a lot of our, our careers. <laughs> and what's in your control and what's out of your control? Even you know, how you respond to an emotion is within your control. If you feel sad and demotivated, well, did you do the one thing that matters today that can help you make progress? Or did you just give into it? When you're applying to jobs, one of the greatest things I'm film, I'm recording a podcast tomorrow about the three greatest mistakes that job seekers make. And one of them is discouraged discouragement. It's you apply for, you know, you apply to 10 jobs, you don't hear back and you think that it's hopeless. You send five connection requests on LinkedIn, you don't hear back from anyone. So you think that no one ever wants to talk to you. We, we magnify this 
concept of rejection because it, we think it impacts our identity as, as individuals. If we let results impact our identity and our self-worth and our ability to be successful, then we, we're creating a, a, an oppor- a given opportunity for failure because by default, progress is going to involve setback, involve rejection, involve things not working out. It's, I was talking to a client the other day who was really discouraged about the interview process and he's, he got a bunch of interviews, he didn't make it to the final round, and didn't even apply to that many jobs. And I was like, do you know that about 400 to 1,000 people apply to a job and you made it to the third round? That is incredible. Like the odds of that actually happening are so slim. You should see that as a badge of honor. And it's very difficult for individuals to see the opportunity instead of the setback. Well, and you're absolutely right. You know, it's, it's, you know, it's steps, right? Like, Hey, you made it to the third round this time. Maybe next time you'll, you'll make it further. Right. And, and that is, that is progress at full scale. Sometimes we get a thousand people a month that apply for a job and we'll only hire 2% of them, 3% of them, something like that. And so there, there are a lot of people that can apply for these jobs. Absolutely. Yeah, so then you look at that and you go, great, how can I increase my chances of getting a job at this organization? Who should I talk to? Who should I start building a relationship with? Not who should I go ask for a job? It's how do I just get more information? How do I talk to someone, have an initial conversation around, hey, what, what's your what's working at full scale like? Awesome. This seems really neat. Um, I've done that type of work before. These are my experiences. What's next on your plate at full scale? Oh, interesting. Thank, thank, thanks for sharing that, Matt. I, you know, I'm really curious. How do people tend to get hired there? Is there anything? Is there anything that sets people apart? Is there any type of person that you're looking for specifically? And so now I've had this conversation with you. What What, what is the likelihood that if you are impressed by me, that you go, I'll I'll put my name in the hat for you. I'll I'll, I'll refer you. Or you know what? We don't we're actually not hiring right now. We'll probably hire in about six months. But I do know this other person at an organization that really could use you. And so we, we go, okay, the only way to apply for a job is to go online and hit apply. Ooh, that's, that's not true. Who said that? So again, how do we become accountable and empowered for the outcomes that we want to see? Well, and most people don't do any of that follow up, follow up or do any of that homework or do any of that extra work, right? They, they apply and they're done. It's like a yes or no thing. And they don't put in any extra effort. Yeah. I like to, when, I, when I'm working on networking with a client, I like to say, okay, so you want to go talk to this person at this organization. We've identified this in our career clarity work that you are really interested in these types of organizations. So let's target your future potential boss. So you always want to talk to someone that's a level above you. You can talk to peers, but it's it's more effective to talk to someone one level above you. Now imagine you are going to be given a million dollars if you give them a million dollars. So let's say you have an imaginary million dollars to give. And you get a million dollars if you get the chance to give it. How do you give it to them? How do you get in touch with them? How do you get them to agree to talk to you? How do you get them to believe you? That's the type of initiative that I want to see people take. I like that. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go give away a million dollars all night tonight. I like <laughs> I, it. Yep. If anybody gets a message from LinkedIn from me tonight, you'll know why. I'm. I'm. I'm coming for, to give you your million dollars. I like it. <laughs> yeah, you send them a message on LinkedIn. They don't reply. You engage on their content. You like it. You share it. You tag them. You wait a week. 
you you send them another message. Oh, they didn't reply. You go to rocket, you know, rocketreach or whatever.co, you get their email, you wait a week, you send them an email, just checking in, nothing. You go look and see if they've done any podcasts. You go talk, you email that host and say, hey, I'm really looking for an introduction to this guest that you had on. I really love that episode. You know, like you do everything and anything to get a hold of this person. And they'll reply. <laughs> Eventually like, they will. Wow. <laughs> if nothing else, they will just to get you to go away. <laughs> uh. It's like this person will not leave me alone. I'm gonna have to talk to them. I I had somebody once, I'll never forget this, uh one of my my first companies. I was just working, you know, in the office, and some guy just showed up and he's like, Hey, I want to talk to you about investing in my company. And I'm like, Who the heck are you? And why are you here? He's like, Well, because I want you to invest in my company. And you know what? I sat down, I talked to him, and I did. I invested in his company. That's I was blown, amazing. I was blown away by how much effort that guy, that guy put into it. And just, you know, and to this day, he's a, he's still a friend of mine. And I just, you know what? You you put in the effort, as you, as you showed. He was the guy who was trying to, trying to take my million dollars, not like me give him a million. He wasn't trying to give me money. He was trying to take my money. But uh, it worked. It did. It worked. That's, that's a great story. And if people are wondering, oh, isn't someone going to think that I'm bothering them? If you do it as if you never use the same media channel three times in a row, so you can use it twice and then change how you're trying to engage with somebody and you space it out, you know, a week to a month to even three months to six months for some of the, you know, follow-ups, person's not going to remember you or they'll remember you a little bit to say, oh, that person has initiative, not, oh, that person's really annoying. Right. And I've, I've had people too where I've reached out to and then a couple months later, I talk to someone that knows them and I go, hey, can you introduce me to this person? They go, of course. They introduce me to that person. The person like has no idea that we that I tried reaching out to them before or that we had like a small engagement and nothing happened from it. Our, our attention span, our ability to remember is so minimal unless we have a severe negative experience or a severe positive experience. So, you I mean, keep that in mind. I, I, it's like, okay, so I ask everyone listening, who was the guest of their favorite podcast they listened to two weeks ago? It's like, okay, what was the, what was the, what were three of the characters of the last book that you've read or a book that you've read a month ago? It's super difficult to answer these questions. And so just keep that in mind. Don't worry so much about what if this and what if that. If someone doesn't want to talk to you or if they're annoyed by you, they'll let you know. Yeah, just don't just don't leave them with that overly negative yes. memory, as you said, right? Oh. Like that's what people mem- remember. If you know, it's these like these uh, automated marketers that will send a, a, the final email, which is, well, I guess you're just lazy and not interested in my great offer. Then <laughs> it's like, who taught you how to sell? How is this impo- How is this worthwhile to you? This cannot be working. Did you ever get the one that said? Uh, uh, you must have been eaten by an alligator. So please let me know what to do next or, or whatever, like oh, <laughs> like man. all sorts of weird things. I, that's good for dating. I wouldn't use that for selling. But. <laughs> well, so give us a teaser about your upcoming book entitled Becoming Fearless. Um, tell, tell us a little more about that. Yeah, tentative working title. But uh, I, I learn in affirmations and kind of uh, fortune cookie types of advice and such. Uh, epiphanies light light me up and I reflect onto them and dive into them. So I wanted to uh, do something similar for uh, work and life advice 
in pretty much helping individuals become more empowered and accountable to create a career in life that they love. And a lot of that has to do with becoming fearless. So I cover different categories from job satisfaction to career clarity, to leadership, to relationships, to living for yourself, to mindset. And we will dive in, we'll have one topic, kind of like a cookie cutter, not cookie cutter, but fortune cookie type of title. And then we'll review you know, the situation that this occurs and then what is it actually, what action can you take? And then what does it look like when you finally become fearless? And so it will, it's not like each one of these points will probably be a page to a couple of pages, but it's not, it's, it's going to help you dive in further to your own thoughts and your own transformation through pretty much, um, like words and pieces of, of advice that spark more from you. So I'm really excited about this book. It relates to my fearless Fridays that I do every single Friday on my podcast and hopefully creates an impact. Well, so when you say fearless, what, what, in what context, what do you mean there? So a lot of what I've been talking about today is giving yourself permission to do whatever the hell you want to do. Absolutely. Like this thing makes me happy. I want to talk to this person. I want to work on more of this stuff. That's being fearless. It's saying I give myself permission because no one else will. And I'll be waiting a long time if I'm, if I'm really waiting for permission from other people and no one else is accountable for my satisfaction and my success. And so I'm going to be fearless and do the things that I truly want to do. I like it. And I think I'm one of those, those people that's just naturally kind of fearless at all time. <laughs> and my wife is the opposite. My wife is lives kind of like in always a state of fear and doesn't have a lot of, a lot of confidence. And so we are like polar opposites of each other. It's an exhausting way to live. And being, for her? Or for me, yeah, being afraid, being, <laughs> yeah, being, being fearless is a, is a wonderful way to live, to be yeah. able to, I, I was, it's funny. It's, we, I think we have similar relationships and, uh, we were having some camper van trouble and I needed to call this mechanic that like we needed to talk to. And I picked up the phone and I called him and she was looking at me with this weird look and I go, what's up? She goes, I just, I don't know how you do that. And I go, what do you mean? She, you just call people. And it's like this, yeah. And it, yeah, it's like this. Some people uh, are impacted by their stress and fear and anxiety. And when you're fearless, you do the things that you need to do. Yeah, we uh, at lunch today. We w- we went to lunch. We went to Pottery Barn because we were looking for kids' furniture. We're having our fifth kid, and and I told her she should cancel something she ordered and order something different. She's like, "Well, I don't know if we can do that." And I'm like. Yeah, we can until you prove we can't, <laughs> right? Like it's the all mentality, right? It, it's it's just the it's the fearless part of it. People respect fearlessness; they really do. Yeah, especially if you do it in a way where you care about other people. Like I'm, I'm not doing I'm not doing anything to harm you. I'm asking you for something or telling you something that I want, and I'm doing it in a way that is not is not trying to hurt anyone else, and actually is leading us all towards the goals that we have. Well, as we wrap up the episode today, I do want to remind everybody, if you need to hire software engineers, testers, or leaders, FullScale can help. We have the people and the platform to help you build and manage a team of experts. When you visit FullScale.io, 
All you need to do is answer a few questions and let the platform match you up with our fully vetted, highly experienced team of software engineers. At FullScale, we specialize in building a long-term team that works only for you. Learn more when you visit FullScale.io. Well, Dr. Benjamin Ritter, thank you so much for being on the, the show again. And um, hopefully we'll have you back a third time in the future, maybe after your book is done or something. Yeah, I'd love to. Um, and just a little message to everybody. This may seem a little far-fetched if you're stuck in your career and you're not really happy. But I'd like you to pause and try to remember a time where you were or another part of your life where you are and why that is. Why, why is that the case? Did you have anything to do about it? Did, did you take some sort of action that helped that? So you've done it before. We're just doing it in a different environment. I like it. Well, any other final thoughts before we wrap up the show today? Well, if you like what I'm saying here, check out the last episode, Self-Leadership. Uh, what I forget which number that was, but people can search for it. And follow me on LinkedIn, Dr. Benjamin Ritter, and go to Live For Yourself Consulting to uh, get your free guide to creating a career that you love, as well as find the link for the masterclass. Yeah, the last episode was published August 14th, 2020. So people might have to scroll a long ways back, but you can, you can search self-leadership on the podcast apps and you could find it. Um, well, again, thank you so much for being on the show today. And again, this was Dr. Benjamin Ritter. Um, if anybody can uh, use your help, they know how to know how to find you. Um, also, I would recommend to people join our Facebook group, the Startup Hustle Chat. Um, there's a lot of a lot of good conversations go on there every day. Um, you can also find me on LinkedIn and TikTok and Instagram, all these all these different places. Just Matt Watson, Casey. And uh, well, Ben, thank you so much for being on the show today. It's been great to be here. And if you like this episode, leave a review. Because yes, thank you. That's that's a wonderful <laughs> thing to do. All right, thank you guys. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time.